0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. My name is Kevin Lagore. I'm the Product Specialist for Skywatcher here in North America. Um, Thank you for joining us. Um, If you're new to the What's Up webcast, we do this every Friday, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Um, All these are live, um, but Uh, They are recorded, so if you miss anything or you want to go back and check something out, or maybe you're just watching this after um, it's been recorded, um, they're all there and available at any time. So um, if you are here for the first time, thanks for joining us. If you're here again, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for spending your Friday morning um, right here with us. Um, So... Uh, The Skywatcher What's Up webcast, we talk about everything astronomy, to what's up in the nighttime sky, to equipment, to techniques. Uh, We have special guests on, usually the last Friday of the month. Um, And then, of course, the first Friday of the month, we talk about what's up in the nighttime sky for that particular month. And it is December. Um, December 2020, the year that we never thought would end, is finally coming to an end. So, A lot of craziness this year, but a lot of really cool astronomical things happened this year. Um, Of course, we had uh, an amazing comet this year. Uh, The sun is starting to kick back up. Uh, What else is going on? Mars had a beautiful approach this year. And of course, we have the Great Conjunction um, that we're going to be talking about that's occurring in a couple weeks. Um, So, a lot of cool stuff has happened this year, despite. global pandemic so um it's it's been really good for astronomy um with all these cool things and because everyone's been stuck at home everyone's buying telescopes too so it's really been a good year for astronomy in general um for our hobby and really getting people into it so um with that being said there's some there's some good positives uh from this year so uh, with that being said, let's jump into what's what's visible uh, this month up in the nighttime sky. And uh, let me get my big head out of the way and we will get started. Um, of course, if you really enjoy these webcasts and you want to keep up with any of the content um, that we post, whether it's upcoming webcast videos or we are working on new like product informational videos and uh, help videos, um, we hope to have those sometime in 2021. Any new content will be right here at the Skywatcher uh, USA YouTube channel. If you like it, you can go ahead and subscribe. It just keeps you up to date with any new content. Um, if you have any questions or comments about our webcast, you can email us at support at Just title it What's Up, and uh, we'll be happy to get your ideas for episodes or if there's something you'd like to know or what have you. Uh, go ahead and just email us there um, and title it What's Up, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, so uh, let's get started. So let's start with the biggest, brightest thing, obviously, that affects the nighttime sky, and that's, of course, the moon. Um, right now, uh, so let's take just take a look at the moon for this month. The new moon for December is going to be December 14th. That's going to be the darkest... Um, darkest time of the month so uh, if you're looking to get out to some frigid and dark skies uh, December 14th is gonna be the day to plan that outing around uh, So we're gonna get the nice uh, dark clear skies that normally come with the winter months um, if you don't get dark clear skies I'm sorry Maybe you should move somewhere else um, but regardless that is uh, that's the date you want to kind of float around. Now, if you're looking for a weekend outing, you're going to want to aim for uh, the 12th and 13th. Um, that's coming up. Uh, that will be your new moon weekend, where you can get out and check out some of the you know, beautiful dark skies if you want to make an outing um, out of that. Now, the full moon for this month is at the very end of the month of December 30th. Uh, that is going to be, of course, our uh, full moon, um, going to be December 30th. Um, this is known as the cold moon. I mean, yeah, that seems obvious, right? Um, unless you're in like Hawaii or the Southern Hemisphere. But right now, this is all Northern Hemisphere, um, since we don't handle Southern Hemisphere at the moment for Skywatcher USA. Um, Anyway, the cold moon comes from uh, Mohawk Native Americans here in uh, the United States. Um, And they would generally associate this full moon for when the cold weather truly starts to sink in. um, And that's where it gets its name, the cold moon. Uh, Now, if you go around, there's going to be different folklores and stuff like that. Um, The snow moon, um, usually that's reserved uh, later in the year. Early part of the year and the winter moon. Um, there, there's a couple different uh, names I can come across with it, depending on ultimately what you're you're looking, what culture you're bringing this from. So that is going to be the the moon for this month. So again, if you want to get out to some nice dark skies. want to have any moon um, up in the sky for you you definitely want to shoot for that uh, December 12th and 13th not this weekend but next weekend Um, that'll be your best time to get out get those long it's still technically autumn but we are approaching the winter officially um, on December 21st is the uh, transition into the official beginning of winter Uh, But if you want to start taking advantage of those long, dark nights um, getting out, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, that'll give you some time to really spend a long time getting those images or capturing uh, some views of those particular objects that might be up this time of year. So definitely um, an advantage um, in astronomy right now because the nights are long. You can spend a lot more time out under the stars. Now, uh, planets, planets, if you watched last week's um, episode, the November night skies, the planets haven't changed a whole lot. Um, we still have five uh, five visible planets up currently, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, and, uh, sorry, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Mars, and Uranus in that order. Um, these are all visible in the evening skies, um, either... Naked eye for three of them, and with a telescope for two of them. Um, If you're in really dark skies, you can actually see Uranus uh, naked eye. But Um, all these are visible right as it gets dark. Um, 8 p.m., you know, you're on the cusp of it at that point. Uh, Of course, the biggest, brightest planet in the evening right now is going to be Jupiter. That's going to be best visible in really any sized optic. Um, basic binoculars will show you the Galilean moons. They'll all be lined up in various orientations each night, um, to cloud bands and all kinds of cool stuff happening up on Jupiter. Um, it's a fun planet to take a look at, but we are losing it, uh, pretty quickly. Um, so if you want to take a look at it, you really want to be out with your telescope right at dusk. Um, that's the best time to view the planets before they get so bright that the glare kind of takes over. So if you can actually view while the sky still has some of that blue and uh, blue tint to it uh, before the stars really come out, that's I find the best time to view the planets. Um, so and you want to get that with Jupiter right out of the gate because we are gonna by the end of the month it's pretty much gonna be gone. Um, so we're kind of at the
1: very tail end of the season for our brighter planets and our guys. Of course we have Saturn. Uh, Saturn is really a cloud or crowd pleaser
0: Um, and if you have a telescope that maybe you're getting a little early for the holidays, um, it's an awesome one to check out while it's up. Again it's right next to Jupiter so it's going to be pretty low. Um, So you want to make sure that you're out again right around dusk. and maybe a couple hours after dusk. And that's pretty much it because they are gonna be in the southwestern sky. Um, Let me actually show you with uh, our program here. If you guys are not familiar, this is Stellarium. This is a free software that you can download. It does all kinds of cool things. Um, Can even do telescope control with it. But uh, here is Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, This is for this evening. You can see they are just hanging out there. This is right around. Take this All right there. We go. So six o'clock, 6 p.m. this evening. Um, so you've got Jupiter and Saturn hanging out together right there, and we'll get to more about this uh, pairing here in a little bit. You got Jupiter, Saturn up hanging out up there. Um, they are going to be low in the horizon, so the seeing is going to be kind of yeah. So if you're looking for your sharpest views. It's kind of past, but you can still get some decent views of them. Um, Then, of course, you've got uh, Neptune is actually up here, not far from Mars. It's just not coming out. Uh, There it is right here. Well, that's a star, but right in that area um, is Neptune. Then you've got Mars. Then you've got Uranus uh, trailing Mars right over here. So uh, we'll get to all
1: those here in a second. So those are some of the planets. Uh, real quick, with Saturn, Saturn looks great in like any size telescope.
0: Um, you can see the rings of Saturn with high power binoculars. Um, it really starts to come alive. If you can get about, you know, 100 power on a telescope, you can really start to see some of the, the rings itself. It's really a cool thing to see. Um, if you've just got your first telescope, it's it's really one of the, other than the moon and Jupiter, it's really one of those, you know, everyone's got a story about the first time they saw the moon or Saturn or maybe Jupiter through a telescope that really sticks with you so go out and check that out. Um, if you can get a telescope that's about three inch or 80 millimeter or bigger um, you can get some of the, the brighter moons of Saturn. Um, there's quite a bunch of them um, uh, that are visible in a telescope especially once you get to that eight inch aperture 200 200 millimeter telescope or bigger you can start getting some of the um, the collection of moons that are around there. Um, This is setting earlier, though, um, so towards the end of the month, it'll be pretty much going down around the same time the sun is going down. So if you want to get a a view of Jupiter and Saturn, um, probably in the next two weeks is really going to be the last decent time to get good detailed views of the planets, because eventually they're going to set so low that it just is mushy and doesn't look great and stuff like that so now is the time um, next two weeks or so to really get up and uh, get out and start looking at Jupiter and Saturn before we lose them um, into the sun and then they'll as we move into 2021 in the spring they'll become morning time objects uh, to go out and see it's a lot easier to go out in the evening than it is to wake up in the uh, early morning hours especially when it's cold out so now's the time to go out and check out Uh, those two if you can. Now of course following Saturn um, is the planet Neptune, the furthest planet from the Sun. Uh, You really need about a 5 inch telescope to see this. Uh, Of course if you don't know if you've got a go-to telescope that can make it easier for you to locate where it is in the sky. Neptune's a little bit of a challenge uh, because it's so small, it is so far away, that you're gonna need you know some resolution to resolve it. So higher magnification can be helpful as well to kind of get the disc of the planet to come out. Um, You can get it in a five inch telescope, but if you could get something that's like an eight inch or bigger, then it's really gonna start to show that blue shading um, a lot more. So you get some of the color differentiation. Uh, Instead of the stars, you'll actually see, you know, one will look different in the field. So uh, Neptune's pretty much visible until about midnight when it sets. Um, is a darker, faint blue uh, sphere in the star field there, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's kind of a cool one to see, just because it is so far away. Um, if you have friends and family over, um, then this is a cool one to show, just because it's one of those planets that everyone's heard about, but it, it's not really one of the major. Uh, planets that typically get shown you know it's not like Jupiter or Saturn or Mars or Venus you know that we're getting out there in the solar system at that point so it's really kind of a a cool one to see and if you just got your first telescope it's definitely more of a challenge object that's still in the realm of kind of the advanced I just got my first telescope but it's a fun one to really kind of push Um, maybe if you got a telescope for the holidays that's coming up we'll have neptune for a couple more months in the sky so this will be a fun one to get if you've got like a nice little telescope you're getting for you know the holidays this will be a good target to go out and really kind of stretch its legs on that you can do from your backyard it's doesn't need dark skies that can help but you can still do it from a decent uh, backyard now, of course, high in the sky right after sunset, of course, is Mars, the red planet. This has really been the year for it. Um, it's it's usually, I have it rising in the east after sunset. It is high in the sky after sunset at this point. So it is in a really good position, but it is moving away from us now as the Earth and Mars kind of separate in their orbits. We had our close approach Um in the fall early fall we had that close approach where it was you know nice and big and lots of detail um but you really are gonna want to get out and view it right now because it is moving away from us quickly so the size is shrinking um it's still in a good position it's in a really good position right now because it's real high um, in the sky after sunset so it's convenient so now would be the time to get out and look because um, it is getting smaller rapidly. So if you still want to get a good view. Um, now's the time to do it. Uh, Jeff Lucas, can you recommend a good Barlow for imaging Neptune? Um, I like the Teleview Power Mates. Um, the reason I like the Power Mates is because they have like thread on uh, capability for like T-rings or T-thread um, so they make a bunch of good ones there um, so i use the power mates i have a 4x power mate and a two and a half but they make a two two and a half four five um, those are the ones i really like uh, explore scientific has some good focal extenders or what they call them i haven't played with them personally but a lot of people have them so between those two those are pretty good quality um, that'll help achieve the image scale of those planets um, far out like neptune Hopefully that answered your question. Um, Mars right now if, if I've been messing with it um, if you can get up to about 150 to 200 power you'll start to get some of the nice details on the planet. Um, more aperture of course is helpful to resolve finer detail so if you've got like an 8 or 10 inch um, it'll be um, much more detailed than what you'd see in a smaller refractor. Uh, if you've got access to like a big 14 inch that's what I've been using as a 14 inch Schmidt-Cassegrain Um, it really drives that home you get a lot of detail but it is like I said it is rapidly moving away from us so the size of Mars is a lot smaller than it was about a month ago so we are starting to lose that at this point so we're at the very tail end of the season to really get a good view of Mars until about 2022 um, when it comes back again so Get out. Check. Take a look at the red planet. If not, just go out and look straight up. It's it's dazzling. It's you know it really stands out amongst those dark uh, late fall skies, uh, the cold dark skies. You have that you know rusty red light just shining back at you. So it's really kind of cool to still go out and take a look at it and show your friends or neighbors. You know like Mars up there. So uh, last one of course is Uranus. Um, Uranus is pretty high in the eastern sky um, just after sunset. Um, It is pretty much overhead as we move into midnight. Um, You can use a three-inch telescope to see this. Um, It's actually one of my favorite planets to see um, because it's it's kind of beyond the typical planets that most people expect to see. Like I said, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, maybe Venus, those are the ones that, people ask about the most um so Uranus and Neptune being so far out there they're kind of those you're starting to leave walk out into the deeper waters of the solar system at that point so Uranus is really cool because it really doesn't take much to see it Um, I've actually seen it naked eye from a dark sky. Um, It's about magnitude 7-ish, so you need really good skies. We saw it from Kitt Peak Observatory in Arizona. Um, But yeah, that is a naked eye visible planet if you can get to a dark enough sky. But in a telescope, even a decent little 3 or 4 inch telescope, it looks like a planet. It's a little, you know, pale blue ball just floating out in space. Uh, It's really kind of neat. To see it just because it is so far out there. Um, so this is a great one. Um, again maybe you're getting a telescope for uh, Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever uh, the, the holiday would be. Maybe you know you're getting something. This will be a fun one uh, to go out and really again stretch your legs of your telescope um, and give it a go because it will be well visible into the spring. Um, Probably lose it somewhere in the spring. Um, it sets right now about 4:30 in the morning so it's pretty much an all-night object at this point but if you if you've just got a telescope or you know you're getting one maybe you want to go out um, check out the conjunction that's gonna we're gonna talk about right after this uh, give Uranus uh, a check because it, it looks really neat um, as that little pale blue ball just floating out in space among the star field but it actually looks more like a planet that Neptune does, obviously because it's closer, Um, but it still looks like a little ball where Neptune takes a lot more work for you to resolve that finer, um, smaller sphere. All right, so the big deal for this month and the last thing to really knock out 2020 as far as astronomical events go is the Great Conjunction as they're calling it. Right now, you've probably seen, you've gone out in the evening sky, or the evening right now, and looked out to the west. You've seen Jupiter and Saturn continuously getting closer to one another. Um, right now, they're they're still fairly far apart. They are near each other. Um, they have been for a couple weeks, or months, actually. But over the next three weeks, they're going to rem- get very quickly really close to each other um and this is what they're calling the great conjunction so jupiter and saturn are inching closer to each other um the the real big portion of the conjunction where they're really close is going to start december 16th and kind of go through christmas on december 25th but the actual close approach for this is december 21st and they're going to be about 0.1 degree apart. Um, this is an eyepiece simulation right here, just to show you, this is using our, just, you know, one of our more popular telescope. This is an Evostar 120ED 900 millimeter uh, focal length. This is with a 13 millimeter eyepiece, you know, pretty generic eyepiece. Um, you can see how close those two are gonna be to each other. So even if you've got like a C11 or one of these longer focal length schmidt Cassegrains, grains, it, they're both gonna fit in the field of view. That's how close they're gonna be. Um, it's crazy how close they are going to be to a, one another. Um, they haven't been this close to each other, um, since about 1623. So, and they were uh, quite close to each other at that point. Um, and honestly the next time i'm not i have to look when it's going to be this happens every 20 years this conjunction between jupiter and saturn is every 20 years but the positioning isn't always great with them relative to the sun because it is they are getting closer to the sun so this year it's really well placed um for us to actually see it uh in comparison to some previous years but on top of that they're also going to be really really close to each other on the solstice December 21st so it's going to be kind of a big thing to go check out um, at that point. Um, The last time really the last time they were as close as this would be uh, March 4th of uh, 1226 so it's been a while Um, and they were uh, pretty close at that point as well. So this is really going to be something you want. You want to go out and see um, Even if you just go check it out, they're almost going to look like one point um, Actually, they'll probably look like one point practically um, there in the western sky to the naked eye um, with a telescope you're going to be able to break those up a little bit more and make that easy to see but definitely want to get out and check this out Um Again, a conjunction like this only happens every 20 years so it's rare on its own but this one we have an extremely close pairing um, which is exceptionally rare so this is like a once-in-a-lifetime this close um, so we're lucky to be able to see him at this position if you're a planetary imager be ready for this um, Use one of those high speed cameras it is going to be low so the details aren't going to be great but you should be able to at least see the rings and the moons and all that in one field of view it's going to be really cool to see um that real quick so let's let me just bring this up real quick
1: um there we go oh wait no it's the sorry uh the west is over here there we go let me see if i can um change this up real quick and bring the planets back up okay so again if,
0: if you want to know what this is this is stellarium you can get it for free online okay so there we go there's jupiter and uh saturn right there and let me just show you how this is going to work as we go through the next couple weeks you can see um There's going to be a real cool pairing with the moon Um, and these two. There's a photo op right there. This is on December 16th. Um, And then, of course, on the 17th, um, it'll be a little bit further. But still kind of a cool shot. If you want to try and get it with wide field lens, you're going to have that crescent moon and the planets there. You can get some cool earth shine. So on the 17th, you're going to have kind of a cool option to get there. As well the 16th is going to be the best crescent and uh, conjunction photo op um, but the 17th you've still got a good option there with a little bit brighter uh, illuminated crescent on the 17th but again let me uh, here we go as this progresses further you're gonna see once we get to about the 20th they're almost going to appear practically as one point to the naked eye Um, and then of course on the 21st they're gonna look like one star and um, you're gonna need a telescope to really split those apart it's gonna be really kind of a cool thing to see Um, and this is almost six o'clock in the evening and it's at an altitude of 19 degrees so it'll still be high enough to basically see from a, a fairly clear backyard But it's going to be low. So if you have a good vantage point to the west, it's going to be a better chance for you to get out and check that out. Um, You know, like if you've got the beach in California, no western horizon problems. Something like that. You're going to be able to catch it a lot more. And then, of course, the 22nd. um, So it's going to probably appear as a single star naked eye from probably roughly the 19th. 20th 21st 22nd possibly the 23rd and christmas eve you'll probably see where they split a little bit more but you've got they're going to be very close to each other for several days um so there's there's a there's a photo op for a couple different days there to check out um to see it and then of course if you're getting a telescope for christmas and you're lucky for that um go out and check it out they're gonna be really close to each other the the main conjunction had already passed but they're still gonna be right next to each other so it'd still be a cool thing to see if you're getting something for the holidays so that right there is uh, to go out and check it out but you know by about seven o'clock they're gonna be gone so you've got about an hour window to really hit it um, before they're they really just disappear and set below the horizon so it's it's gonna be a very limited window It's gonna be a very cool thing to see um, but it's it's definitely worth making sure you get a chance to at least see it so that's the great conjunction everybody's talking about I know I'll be watching it it's already starting to kind of frame things up um, but it should be really cool so that's gonna be the the icing on the cake for the 2020 astronomical events um, at that point so all right moving on Um, the sun the sun is actually starting to kick up um if you watched last uh in october um if you watched you we went over some of the filters and different things that you can do to observe the sun safely well the sun is starting to make um itself known once again it's starting to increase there's a bunch of active regions on the sun right now Uh, currently as of today you have ar or active region uh 2785 2786 and 2790. Um, so it's it's definitely worth uh, checking out and Seeing what's up if you guys want to see kind of what's going on right now. This is the Gong uh, H-Alpha solar that is pretty much live from Chile You can see there's quite a bit of detail the The large active region still is about to go off the Sun there There's some nice prominences a little bit of filament detail uh, and then you've got some other active region so uh, some nice prominences today. So if you have a hydrogen alpha telescope, um, you should be busting that thing out because it's the sun is starting to once again wake up. Um, this was shot. This is the big active region um, that's going off the sun. This was shot last weekend. shot in my backyard with my day star. This is a 60 millimeter refractor. So uh you don't need big aperture, but definitely get out. Even if you have a white light filter, go check out the sunspots. But if you have hydrogen alpha filter, it better be on that scope because it's there's a lot of cool details to see uh, visually and photographically. Um now last week uh AR twenty nine seventy um was coming around the bend. Did I get that right? I'll have to check that. I I'm sorry, I see what I did there. The seven it should be twenty seven ninety. So Disregard that Um, 2790 active region actually came around the disk of the Sun. It released an M4 class flare um, Which is the biggest flare the Sun has produced in three years Um, And it had these coronal loops, which is a very rare Prominence essentially where it loops up and comes back down really fine detail Um, I've got some friends who did some really cool time-lapse with it, but you want to keep track of the sun. Um, let me get my face out of the way a little bit more so you guys can see.
1: Um,
0: you definitely want to keep track of the sun over the next couple of years. Um, we are starting to go back in towards solar maximum. Um, it's just getting started, but it is it has jump started uh, pretty quickly. So um, lots of cool features are happening right now. If you've got a hydrogen alpha telescope, um, Definitely worth hauling it out. If you don't have one, now's the time to start thinking about it. Because we do here in the U.S., North America, um, 2023 is an annular solar eclipse. 2024 is another total eclipse. So as we inch closer to those two dates, um, especially as we get into 2022, the the craving for solar equipment is going to start happening again, just like 2017 and it's going to be progressively harder to get equipment um, to do it and this time we're going to have eclipses that are landing during a solar maximum so there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff going on Um, so if you've been interested in the sun and you and you've been thinking about filters now in the next year or two is the time to seriously think about that because as we get towards Mid 2022, beginning of twenty twenty three, it's gonna the demand's gonna skyrocket like it did last time. Um and it gets really difficult to get equipment to observe the sun. So just have that on your radar right now. Um but it's definitely worth it if you've got some cool solar filters to go out and check it out. Uh meteor showers. We have two meteor showers this month. Um the first one is the Geminids, which comes out of the constellation of Gemini obviously. Um, This one actually is quite a good one. Um, You get about 120 meteors per hour, and the cool thing about it is it lands on December 13th and 14th as the peak. That's right at new moon. So really good time to be out looking for meteors. It's a a good shower. There's a lot of meteors that happen per hour, and it's in the perfect time of the month to actually go out and look, uh, because it's the darkest part of the month uh, with no moon in the sky. Um, second one that's coming up is the Urseids. Um this comes out of the Ursa, I think it's Ursa Major constellation. I'll have to double check it. Um they're both right next to each other. Um right around the northern pole. Um this one isn't as elaborate. I'm talking about ten, five to ten meteors per hour. Um it's December twenty-first and twenty-second is the peak. Um there is a brighter moon because we're almost we are getting closer about ten days nine nine ten days away from full moon at the start of this meteor shower. But the moon will set before the best time to view the meteor shower starts. Uh best time to view a meteor shower is generally after midnight as the Earth comes around into that position. It's almost like it has to rotate to get to the 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 window for that. So um, Generally meteor showers are best viewed after midnight. So for the Ursids, um, if you're gonna ursids, um If you're gonna get out and view those uh, the moon will have already set um, But the Geminids are the bigger of the two. Uh, if you're gonna go out for new moon viewing Now's the time um, it, it works out really really well because you're gonna get a nice meteor shower new moon long dark sky um, really good time to check those out so again geminids during new moon and ursiids during after moon set later in the month so those are the meteor showers um, for this month so there's a lot of good stuff that's happening this month the planets still look good uh the moon's still cool to check out um, we have the conjunction which is going to be the pinnacle of all of this and then you've got one really nice meteor shower and a smaller one to follow up uh, the cool thing about the Geminids is a lot of those actually are multicolor um, as they come in uh, to the atmosphere. So there's a lot of cool different colors that you might get from uh, those incoming meteors. So something to something to check out. Get a wide field lens, take some pictures while you're out there. Deep sky targets. Um, now deep sky, of course, does not change nearly as much as all of you have seen. The constellations take several months to move across the sky. So there's a lot of targets that are up this time of year um, that we've probably talked about previously. There's a lot that I haven't talked about because we just don't have enough time. Um, But probably the the big jewel of right now, high overhead after sunset is, of course, M31, the Andromeda Galaxy. It's just kind of a staple um, for the end of fall, early winter. Um, Of course, it's the Andromeda Galaxy, so it's in Andromeda, which you've probably guessed. Um, It's high in the east sky, eastern sky, um, moving overhead. It's in a really good position to photograph right now because of how high it actually sits. Um, You're out of all the seeing junk and the muck that's low in the atmosphere, so really good time to be shooting this. Um, Dark skies, it's visible naked eye, um, it actually looks really good in a pair of binoculars from a dark sky You get the extension of the arms and stuff like that it's Actually, I've had some of my best views of the Andromeda galaxy and like a 50 millimeter pair of binoculars. It looks really neat Um, and then photographically it's easy to do from the backyard Um when the moon is down, you don't There's no filters that really help um with it uh, So you just need a good sky Um, But it's bright enough. There's enough signal that comes from it that you can take a nice image of it from in town. But if you can get out to dark skies, it really is like, you know, really there um, at that point. So uh, let me just bring us back
1: to right now. Let's just do the fifth. Saturday night. So um, let me turn on some of these real quick. There we go.
0: Don't go outside and expect to see the lines. I've actually had people ask, like, where's the lines? Most of you know this. But as you can see by eight o'clock, right here is the Andromeda Galaxy. It is straight overhead um, to see it right now. So really good time to be shooting it um, right now. Fun fact, I've had this happen a lot lately. There's a lot of people who shoot with Star Adventures, EQ6, HEQ5s, um, a lot of our mounts where they're shooting the Andromeda Galaxy and they're finding that some of their shots are pinpoint and some of them are streaked. Um, Where the Andromeda Galaxy passes over is really high overhead when it passes the meridian. It's almost at zenith. So if you have your telescope balanced too well, the gears actually start to float between one another. So it Because there always has to be a little bit of backlash and amount for it to work. Um, So you'll get the floating issue of the gears. So if you're shooting Andromeda, especially if you're new and you have like a star adventure or something like that. Because I've had a lot of people call about this lately. um, Offset the balance of the counterweight just a little bit to where it falls to the side. A little side heavy. This keeps the teeth engaged as you're tracking. And you won't have the floating mesh problem. You'll just... It'll be nice and smooth and you won't have that issue. So something to keep in mind with a lot of targets that are going to happen uh, this time of year. Andromeda's one of them being so high in the sky. Um, and then, of course, our, our next one, which is obvious, is the Pleiades Cluster passes high overhead too. Make sure you offset your equatorial mount weight just so that keeps the teeth engaged. You get nice smooth tracking when you're shooting high overhead. Um, M45 the Pleiades another staple of this uh, time of year It looks like a micro dipper. Um, It's in the constellation of Taurus the Bull Um, It is really high around nine o'clock and uh, It looks it's gonna be pretty dominant for pretty much most of the night Um, I'll actually bring this up real quick. So here's the Pleiades uh, right here right over here is the Pleiades and this is about eight o'clock at night it's just rising in the east we're at an altitude of about 45 46 degrees at about eight o'clock um so if you wanted to actually spend a good amount of time imaging the Pleiades now's the time to do it because you could pretty much go um all night at least here in Arizona our astronomical twilight for the morning when you have to stop imaging because the sky is going to start brightening up it's about five thirty right now so um we can go pretty much all night on the Pleiades. Not quite all night, but you could go almost all night and it's right there ending the night at about 15 degrees below above the Western horizon. You can pretty much shoot the Pleiades all night if you wanted to go for one of those really deep pictures or you're shooting multiple filters a night, um, you'll be able to get, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You have almost nine hours of visibility to shoot the Pleiades right now. You, have, you could easily pound out a really deep shot of the Pleiades cluster um, and run it all night. Um, so if you're looking for an all night target, the Pleiades is a really good one um, to check out. It's pretty obvious this time of year. Really beautiful cluster in binoculars, small telescopes. If you're getting a small telescope for the holidays, go out, check out the Pleiades. It's one of the easiest clusters to see. You can see it naked eye. looks great and a telescope. looks like spilt glitter on black tablecloth. Um, and then if you're photographing it, you can get that beautiful blue dust from the Marope Nebula that's in there. Um, so it's a really uh, beautiful thing to check out um, and mess with, especially if you have a star tracker. Um, if you want... Something to really try out. Try putting a 135, uh, 7200, uh, 200 millimeter or a 135 millimeter lens on your camera on a Star Tracker. Pop it over to the Pleiades and see what kind of cool images you can get from it. The Pleiades is really a cool uh, cluster it's very forgiving and very easy to work with. Um, so the wintertime, it has some of the best objects for beginner imagers um, to get started. Uh, next up, not far from the Pleiades, but it's in the constellation of Perseus. This is one. This one is more challenging. It is the California Nebula, which is NGC 1499. Um, it is, like I said, not far from the Pleiades. Um, this one is a challenge visually from light polluted skies. You really want to be out in a dark location to see this. Um, it's actually best seen in wide field telescopes. So if you've got like a short focal length. Four, inch whatever telescope um, that's the best way to see it all Um, you can use bigger aperture but you're not gonna get the whole nebula it's actually pretty big Um, you it is a very it's pretty much all hydrogen it's a hydrogen emission uh, region so visually you're gonna want something like an H beta filter a UHC would be great visually Photographically, though, it's really easy to do from in town, especially if you've got a hydrogen alpha filter. No problem. Takes care of it. No big deal, Uh, but it's um, it is not far from the Pleiades. So let me bring our uh, sky chart back up. Uh, Here's the Pleiades right here. Just to the uh, what would this be? Just to the north of the Pleiades, you're gonna see that faint nebula right here in Perseus. Um, there is the uh, California Nebula right there. If you have a wide enough field though you can actually get a really cool picture of the Pleiades and the California Nebula together Um, and there's all kinds of crazy nebula dust um, that sits between the two as well. Some really cool stuff can be done especially if you get out to dark skies. Um, Those two are not far from one another so that is the California Nebula. This picture right here, this is Hydrogen Alpha. This was shot from my backyard, which is light polluted. Um, But this is with a 200 millimeter Canon telephoto lens and a monochrome CCD with an H-Alpha filter. Um, Very easy target with that kind of combo. Um, Another one that's up right now is the Triangulum Galaxy. This one's very close to Andromeda M31. Um, It's actually very high in the sky just after sunset, um, almost at zenith as well. Um, Let's see here we go. So here's Andromeda right here. Really easy to see. Not far opposite though from Mirac is uh, M33. Uh, right here. So M33 uh, or the Triangulum Galaxy. Uh, This one's actually more challenging than most people think it is. Uh, It's very diffuse on the outer arms so getting good structure and stuff like that in an image can be more difficult. Um, Dark Skies is really beneficial. You might be able to glimpse the core from like a dark night in your backyard and it's going to be fairly diffuse with like a 10-inch scope. But um, if you can get out to a dark sky, it becomes very easy, but it's not as structured as the Andromeda Galaxy. It's not as bright, so the outer arms are more diffuse. Um, they really need good dark skies to see it. Um, but it can, be, it can be done photographically from in town. In the best of skies, you can catch it as a faint glow naked eye from the darkest skies. It's a real challenge, but if you're gonna be out on that new moon weekend next weekend, and it's a really good sky, it's in a really high position, so it don't be you might be able to actually glimpse that faint glow from the galaxy so um kind of a cool one to see uh real quick, I don't have this on my presentation, but I just remembered it um Mirak right here in the Andromeda galaxy um Mirak. I don't really care much about Mirak. Um, it's a bright star; it's naked eye visible. What's really cool about Mirac, though, is right next to it this little fuzzball, NGC 404. Um, I like objects that contrast with bright stars. If there's an object right next to a bright star, I think it's kind of cool. Um, but NGC 404 is known as Mirak's ghost. Um, if you look at, if you're in a dark, decent dark sky, eight inch telescope or bigger, or you want something to image your telescope at MIRAC and you'll see this faint little fuzz next to it. It might look like a reflection but it's not. It's a galaxy um, known as MIRAC's Ghost. They call it the Lost Pearl Galaxy which is kind of neat. I've never heard that before but um, it's kind of a cool object that kind of gets lost with that. So try that one out NGC 404 MIRAC's Ghost. It's kind of a fun one just because it's so easy to find because it's right off of a naked eye
1: star. So if you're in the area Give that one a go. Of course, it's winter time
0: practically, and everyone's on the trademark object of this time of year, the Orion Nebula, M42. Actually, real quick here, just in case you don't know, Orion is this portion, M42. The ball... East right here. This is M43 and then this is the Running Man Nebula next to it. So you actually have three nebulas part of this region. This is the most photographed nebula in the nighttime sky because it's easy. If you're getting equipment for the holidays you're gonna view this nebula. It's easy, it's fun to shoot, it's good to practice with. Um, pretty much everyone shoots it every year. Um, it's easy to see from uh, light polluted skies and pretty much any optic um, it's really impressive in deep uh, dark skies with big telescopes and of course photographically it's it's easy. So M42 I, I would get in trouble if I didn't post that. That's that's coming up around eight or nine o'clock in the western I'm sorry eastern sky uh, with Orion rising uh, east. There we go. Right there is the Orion Nebula. Um, it's up above the horizon by eight o'clock by nine o'clock It should be high enough to start viewing by 10 o'clock. You've got You know plenty of time to start running your shots on it So that can also be almost an all-night object at that point as well. So of course M42 the orion nebula the trademark Winter object and we'll talk about this in the january one too because it's just there of course without orion You also have IC-434, the Horsehead Nebula. Um, Horsehead is a lot more challenging than Orion is. Um, It's very easy to photograph this nebula. It doesn't take much effort, but visually it's a challenge. You really need to be in dark skies to see the Horsehead. The Flame Nebula down here is easy to see, but this region, which is IC434, and then the Horsehead itself is called B33, Barnard 33, because it's a dark nebula. This area is difficult to see visually. You need about an eight inch telescope or bigger, and you will need an H-Beta filter, unless you're under extremely dark skies. with a large telescope, um, that H beta filter is the trick to seeing the horse head because you're basically looking for a black thumbprint on black paper. It's, it's difficult. Um, I've seen it in a six inch telescope when it's high overhead and dark skies. It was a challenge, but if you can get more aperture on there, do it. Um, Easy to shoot photographically. H alpha filter will take care of it. If you're doing color, make sure the moon is down. Um, but it's an easy one photographically, challenge visually. Um, excellent target for beginner imagers because it's, it's just one of those trademark things. You got to hit it. I like shooting it every year. Um, it's kind of fun doing it with a camera because it's um, all that.
1: Uh, UHC filter would work as well, but H beta is. Uh, ideal. But uh, this is a mosaic I did a couple years ago. This is the whole
0: region. The entire constellation of Orion is pretty much shrouded in hydrogen clouds. So uh, Orion and the horse are actually linked um, with a cloud and then of course you have the Barnard loop. This is a huge hydrogen loop um, in the constellation of Orion. you need a really wide field telescope to actually pan through it. Because it basically goes from the top of the constellation to the bottom of the constellation. It's big. Um, I've heard of people holding H-beta filters up in extremely dark skies and seeing this. Um, if you have access to one of those image intensifiers, this would be really cool to to check out as well. But um, that is almost the constellation of Orion right there. Um, here's the Sword of Orion, the three stars right here, the horse head. Um, This is with a 200mm Canon lens and five individual panels uh, stitched. So there's a lot of stuff to see in Orion, uh, the Constellation itself, besides just the Nebula, the two basic Nebulas. Now real quick, then we'll get to the end of it. Um, If you want something that's just a truly oddball, uh, this is Dwingaloo 1. And I guarantee the majority of you have no freaking idea what this thing is. Um, Dwingaloo one is not far from the heart and soul nebula. Um, I don't know if I, let's
1: see if we can even bring this up. Um, just, just to show you, I don't know if this will even come up in the database here. It did come up. Uh, This is Dwingaloo 1, um,
0: right up here between Cassiopeia. There's the heart and the soul, which we didn't get to talk about this time. Um, Right there, not far um, from a couple big objects. Uh, Dwingaloo 1 is in an area of the nighttime sky that a professional astronomer is called the Zone of Avoidance. Um, It's a dust lane that's in, in our Milky Way. It covers a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff to hunt there because the dust lanes obscure anything That's hidden behind there. Um, This is a really cool little experiment you can do. You're going to need an infrared pass filter, an IR pass, um, and you're going to image through it just like a regular um, imaging filter. The focus is different between visual and IR, so you need to work with that. Um, On the left here, this is a stack visual light using a green imaging filter and on the right is infrared. You can see how infrared, there's a lot more in there. And this is just with a Starlight Express 694 monochrome camera. Um, You don't need any super ultra infrared camera, just a sensitive astronomical camera and the IR pass filter. But what's cool here in the visual light, you don't see anything. In infrared, there is a face-on spiral galaxy called Dwingaloo 1. There's also Dwingaloo 2, which I don't have a shot of. This is PGC 100,170. It's a face-on barred spiral galaxy that's completely obstructed by the dust lanes in the Milky Way arm. If you were to shoot this area visually, it looks like nothing's there. It just looked like a star field, when in fact, Using an infrared pass filter and letting the IR light pass through the dust, you're able to peer through the dust and actually see, start to see it. It's kind of faint. I could use more exposure time, but you could see it right here. This was done with a six-inch refractor, our Skywatcher EVO Star 150ED doublet um, from my backyard. Um, but you can see it there, and it, it was kind of an interesting little thing to try out. So if you're looking for just a weird imaging project. Uh, uh, Try Dwingaloo 1. That's kind of my super oddball target for the month. So try it out. Um, Astronomic makes IR pass filters. They're usually used for planetary, but you can put them in line to shoot other objects. It's really cool on Orion. All these stars come out. Um, It's really neat on the Crab Nebula. Um, There's a bunch of stuff you can experiment with, but that is near-infrared Imaging at that point, which is I wish was more popular. I'm gonna try more of that, but that's a that's my oddball target of the month Well, that's pretty much it if you guys enjoyed it Go ahead and subscribe to the channel keeps you updated with the latest content if you have any questions uh, We went a little long Uh, if you have any questions go ahead and throw those out. I'll try to get to them um but that is our what's up in the nighttime sky for december 2020 um hope you guys enjoyed it if you missed it it's recorded and go back and check that out um of course next week next week we're going to talk about where we're going to go with our webcast in 2021 where Skywatcher may be going in 2021 um just to kind of let you guys know where we're planning Uh, to take this because at the beginning of 2020 we weren't even thinking about the webcast and of course COVID hit we were all stuck um so we came up with this webcast so it's gotten really popular uh you've probably seen advertisements in sky and telescope and um other areas go out and uh it's getting more popular so we're going to continue it into 2021 we've got some cool ideas uh we plan on doing we're going to talk about that um Next week, as our uh, webcast. And then, of course, the week after, that will be our final webcast of the year. I'm, we're going to have a uh, director of Skywatcher USA, my boss, um, Jeff Simon, um, is going to be our special guest speaker. And we'll talk about Skywatcher, um, where Skywatcher's going, what we're doing here in the US and uh, Canada, because that's the region we handle, um, and where we just see that conversation going. That'll be an interesting conversation. And then of course the end, the last Friday of the month is uh Christmas. We're closed. So we won't this there's only three episodes um for this month. And then of course January we kick it back off again. So uh that's what we got going this year uh or for the rest of the year. Um thanks all for uh joining us um today I appreciate you being here and uh, uh, if you need anything else please go ahead and uh, email us at support skywatcherusa.com and um, if there's no questions i don't really see any questions Uh, someone was recommending m77 that's another cool target you can go out and take a look at there's all kinds of targets um, to view and photograph this time of year i only did a sprinkling of some of the more popular ones and some oddballs but Get your star map map out. Go get Stellarium. Use your phone. Research some targets and go out and uh, discover the autumn and coming winter skies for yourself. So uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, The moon's going away. Go out. Use your telescope. Check out the planets. Um, And other than that,
1: have a great weekend, and we will see you all next Friday. Take care, everyone. See ya.